Welcome back to the Childhood Cancer Perspective. Thank you so much for sticking with me through this journey. I want to continue sharing stories of JC and our family as a cancer diagnosis, as you all know, is a family diagnosis. Uh, now, JC was diagnosed with choroid plexus carcinoma on January 30th of 2020. That happened to be our oldest daughter's birthday. We were rushed to the hospital while we were trying to eat cake. We had to get out there. It became very overwhelming very, very fast. And the subject that I want to talk about today is burnout. Now, going through this journey a little bit backwards and all over the place, um, I want to talk about what happens when you get so overwhelmed that you don't know which way is up. If it's backwards or forwards, which day it is, day or night, you don't know any of this. It becomes a blur because you're focused with blinders on to making sure that your child gets better or making sure that your child is safe and healthy, um, has a good day, is making sure that their doctor's appointments are taken care of, um, all while running a nonprofit and trying to uh, send smiles to other people and other children and families that are going through this, this horror that we know as cancer. It's very easy to get burned out very quickly. It's very easy to be overwhelmed to the point where your usefulness um, starts to dwindle because you are taking on so much at one time and taking on um, so many different tasks and so many different families that need help and you're making sure that your own family uh, is taken care of but at the same time your health is also put on the back burner. And this is a very real thing when it comes to facing childhood cancer head-on. There's no other way that you can go about it. Um, once your child is diagnosed, goes through the treatments, through the process, and um, unfortunately in the end if your child does pass away, there's a, there's a lot of ways you can go about that. You can turn that tragedy into something good, you can start a foundation, um, look for change, try to make something better. You can also cancel out the cancer world and you can just not forget that it happened but just don't let the definitions follow you um, and again I've said it before none of it is wrong none of it is right it is however you feel like you need to move forward with your life after the unfortunate um, passing of a child and the um, one that diagnosis that that happens with with pediatric cancer and for us, for our family specifically, when we got that diagnosis, I did not know how to react. I did not know what we were going to do in the next 12 hours, let alone the next three years. When we got the diagnosis of a tumor, of a mass in her brain, that early, early morning hours of the 30th and the 31st, um, I froze. Personally, I froze and I was at that point my only focus was to make sure that my wife was okay and to make sure that we figured out how to take care of JC the best we could so that we could get her back home where she deserved to be. And at that point we didn't know how serious things were and we didn't know how much of our life was going to change in an instant with one single solitary CT scan, one single solitary MRI, how our life was going to change. And for me as a person, I have always been somebody that takes something on 110%. I go 100 miles an hour, 
no matter what. I don't have an off switch. I don't have a kill switch. I don't have a slow down speed. I have one speed. And as my friend used to say, wide open. That's that speed. And that can be great. It can be very therapeutic. It can be very helpful in getting things done that need to get done. Because for the people that slow down, this is when you catch them. Those people like politicians and lawmakers and those legislators all at once, when they slow down for a second and take a breath, your 100, 100 mile an hour speed is what catches them. That's when you get them on board with what you're trying to do. And so that takes on a life of its own. And then the, and that's just one section of what we've done as a family with this, the legislative side and the advocacy side. The fighting with cancer when your child is diagnosed you are rocked to your core and not knowing what's going to happen the next day the next minute is something that is very very stressful to me because although i like to be spontaneous i like to know what's coming i like to know what's going to happen next or at least have an idea of what's coming i'm not a jump scare kind of person i'd rather know there's somebody around that corner than find out when it's too late and taking on that battle of trying to get things or trying to hold things together, or trying to hold the family together, trying to advocate, trying to um, focus on who's going to take JC to her doctor's appointment, who's going to have to miss uh, volleyball games and concerts and, and, and seeing your children get dressed up for dances and go to football games and Who's going to have to miss that? Who's going to go to the hospital? Who's going to stay overnight? Who is going to make sure that food is on the table? There's a million things. And as a parent, I think everybody can understand that as a parent, you have a million things going on at any given time. And your ability to sit and take a break is sometimes not there. Add in a cancer diagnosis, a life-threatening illness, to the mix and that that time that you had to sit down even if it wasn't there is now not even a thought um, people used to get upset with me and they probably still do because I don't get back to them in time or I don't follow up with plans or I don't make plans with them um, whatever the case may be and a lot of that and I would tell them is because I don't have two seconds to rub together let alone worrying about whether or not we're going to be going out for dinner next week or whether or not we're going to be planning a get-together at the end of the year. I, like, I don't have time for that. And unfortunately, that's not always good. It, it does lead very much to, to burnout. It leads very much to you overwhelming yourself, overwhelming your body and your psyche um, and your ability to really function because you're trying so hard to make something happen. And a lot of work goes into everything that we do as cancer parents. A lot of work goes into making sure that our house is safe for a child that may no longer be um, have the ability to walk or the ability to really communicate. Uh, or it's just very fragile from the chemotherapy and the immunotherapies. And you have to be really careful about that. And you have to be careful about certain things that maybe, you know, as kids and as parents now, even, you know, I grew up in the 80s, that 
we didn't worry about. You know, we didn't worry about whether or not you skinned your knee or whether or not you got a bruise or whether or not um, you ate something you weren't supposed to. That kind of, I mean, we did, but I mean, you, you did, that's the kind of stuff that we, we say now that you, you just rub some dirt on it and walk it off. And when you're going through this type of diagnosis and the treatments with a child um, that is dealing with this, you, you learn very quickly that a bruise, that a scrape, that a cut, that a headache, it's not just those things that it can have very, very deep rooted meanings. And you become very, very fixated and focused on making sure that your child is safe all the time. And you push this on your other children too. And it becomes that you hear a cough or you hear, you hear something that sounds like it may be somebody getting sick or you hear ow or, you know, that kind of thing. And you, immediately unfortunately will go to the worst case scenario and I know my wife does that I try to I almost get upset with her sometimes because I don't like to but you know you you're kind of forced into a position like that don't go to the worst case scenario but you almost your brain is almost pre-designed pre to do that once you're you're part of this community and you, like I said, you become fixated on making sure that everything is okay all the time, making sure that they eat the right things and that they, they drink the right things and they get exercise and they, they're, um, they are, you know, getting up and moving and they're doing their schoolwork and things like that. And you, you just, you have so much laser focus on that, that you essentially lose track of everything on everything else is going on in your life, whether it be your own health, your own fitness, um, your own well-being, uh, whether or not you're eating or drinking enough yourself, whether or not you're um, focusing on each other if you uh, as a couple, whether or not you're focusing on your other children. There's so many factors. And as you can see, I can continue to add to this list. But what it does is it puts you in a state of always on the go, in a state of I've always got to be moving. I've always got to be doing something. And if I'm sitting still, I feel like I'm failing. And so getting burned out is very, very easy to do. And I have been there, uh, you know, many times. To the, I've got myself to the point where I am, have worn myself to being sick. I've worn myself down to just feeling horrible. And my, my body tells me that, it's, that I'm not taking care of it. My immune system is, generally speaking, has always been very, very good. But, you know, it, it can only do so much. And part of what I was going through when I was working was that I was putting in eight, 10 hours, you know, a day, sometimes more during the holidays. And then I was coming home and jumping right into work, jumping right into uh, nonprofits, scheduling for events that we have coming up or for throwing packages together for these kids that are, that are reaching out and trying to keep up with everything, all while trying to keep up with doing things with my kids and doing things with my wife and as a family and um and neglecting that and i i acknowledge the fact that i neglected a lot and i got called out for it a lot and i think we're all kind of guilty of it that we get so laser focused on something that we the rest of the world seems to stop around us even though it's very much moving and we have to take that time and take that energy and make sure that we are taking care of ourselves. And you can use the analogy of um, when you're on an airplane, they tell you to put your mask on first. 
um, before you help anybody, no matter what the case is. And that's because if you're dead because you didn't put your mask on and you can't breathe, you can't help anybody else. You're no use to anybody else. If you are dead or injured or you're passed out because you don't have oxygen, you've got to put your, you've got to put your mask on first. And that's the thing. You know, you we often get into this um, type of diagnosis and this type of lifestyle, and we we shut everything else down. Um, whether it, like I said, your fitness, your eating, your family, you shut it all down because you you want to make sure that your kid's okay, and you feel like you have to do everything. You have to one hundred and ten percent of the time. You have to be focusing on whether it's taking care of them or trying to find a cure or trying to find better treatments or um, uh, making sure that what they're going through right then and there and the treatments they're going through are the right ones and making sure that they're recovering well from those treatments or making sure you have people. I mean, the amount of times that you're on the phone or you're reading your MyChart app to you know check results and things like that is is incredible. It's it 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 takes a lot of time and. Um, it's a lot of energy and what people don't realize I think is that while it takes a lot of physical energy to do all of those things and being physically burned out and emotionally burned out are, are different um, being physically burned out I think you can still do things you can still move you can still um, you can find another gear that you didn't think you had when you're completely physically drained and think that you have to quit you can find more gas in the tank if you need to. When it comes to being emotionally burned out, that your your tank is so far beyond empty that you are essentially useless to the world until you can refill it. And um, getting to that point is scary because you you feel like you need to do something. You need to work. You need to to fight for these kids. You need to be on the phone, on the computer. You need to be taking care of everybody else at the same time that you're doing all of this and the reality is as amazing and I'm not giving myself credit for this at all but as amazing as parents are that go through this this type of diagnosis and this type of life that they have they're forced into um, as amazing as all those people are that we've met along the way and we've stayed in touch with you can only do so much before your body and your mind shut down and leave you useless to everybody else. And the the burnout that we go through as cancer parents, um, I believe, is on a different level than what, uh, let's say, other things, other types of their diagnosis or life lifestyle changes or life um, altering events or things like that. I think there's a different type of burnout for all of those things and none of them are you know any better or worse than the other it's just I think there's a different level um, or a different it comes at you in a different way and especially when it involves a child um, you very quickly I know on a physical level um, the most tired that I've ever been when it comes to being physically burned out was diagnosis day and the week before JC died. Um, the diagnosis was I had literally worked all day that day. 
come home, went to Mil- had to go to Milwaukee that night, didn't get the testing and things like that done till early, early in the morning the next day, um, and eventually passed out from physical exhaustion after a couple uh, for a few hours once we were admitted into a room in the early hours of the 31st. And I physically passed out from exhaustion. And from then on out, it was, you get up, we were with JC all day, and we would do what we could do to kind of keep her going and keep her uh, entertained and happy and things like that. And then, again, it was, you would push yourself and push yourself and push yourself to the point where your body would just shut down because you were so tired. And then the last week, the last 11 days that we had with her while we were in hospice, again, that was the most tired I've ever been in my entire life. And that was because, um, number one, the physical side. JC was not sleeping. She was not sleeping at all because of the, the drugs that were in her body um, were were messing with her sleep cycles, messing with her, her everything to the point where she couldn't sleep. She'd be up for, you know, days on end and never seemed tired, but we were tired. We were, we were burnt. We were burnt out. And a lot of times that came out during that burnout as, as anger, um, nothing, you know, violent or anything like that, but definitely, you know, lost my temper, you know, a few times just because I was so exhausted and so, so burned out from everything we had, you know, uh, were doing, we're trying to kind of keep her comfortable and everything was going on and it was frustrating because we weren't getting any better answers from anybody. And we were, we were watching our child slowly pass away. Slowly her body was shutting down. We lost, um, she lost the ability to swallow, the ability to communicate. Um, the ability to walk. She lo- slowly lost all of these things. And it that is your emotional and your mental burnout to watch your eight-year-old child who you know has so much life left in her, so much to give this world, so much ambition, um, so much drive to... to um, be an entertainer or to be a doctor or a NICU nurse is what she told us. And she had all that drive and it was slowly, just slowly being taken away from her. And we watched that happen. And it was one of the most emotionally and mentally draining things I think, well, I know that I've ever been a part of in my entire life to, to see that happen. And it's, it's a different, a different kind of, of exhaustion. Um, you know, physically, your body is, just, you know, it, like, and like I said before, your, your body, even at physical exhaustion peak, you can still find more gas in the tank if you need it. You can still find that extra gear and you can find a way to get it done. And there was no way that we were going to lay down on her. We were going to stay moving. If she stayed up, for four days, five days, if she stayed up for two weeks straight, then that's what we were going to do. Um, we were going to be there and be part of it. And like I said, it, it didn't always go well. Um, you know, that burnout does definitely bring out emotions and frustrations and things like that, that, you know, you're, that's just part of it. But the mental, the mental and emotional part of it was probably the most difficult 
because I think um, I think my wife and I knew what was coming. We knew what was going to happen, and we knew that the only answers we were getting were uh, we can try this, we can try that, but it's it's probably only going to buy a little bit of time. It's not gonna it's not gonna save her. And as a parent, to come to the realization or to come to the understanding that you are going to have to let go, that you know that your child is going to pass away and there's nothing you can do about it. Um, that is, I, I mean, I can't describe anything else that I've been a part of my entire life that would be more um, detrimental to somebody's mental health, detrimental to somebody's emotional health, and even their physical health than, than knowing that somebody's going to die and there's nothing you can do to fix it. Um, and when it comes to being a parent, your one job in this world is to make sure your children are safe, make sure your children are okay, make sure that they make the right decisions and they get the right medicines and they they hang around the right people and they go to the right schools and um, that's that's your job. And when you're given a diagnosis of cancer for your child and you learn so much that I wish I didn't know going through all of this. You learn so much and you learn so much that isn't being done for kids and that the reason, maybe one of the reasons that we burn out so fast as, as parents or even as advocates is that we realize that we're carrying that weight. We're carrying 100% of the weight to for our kids to make change for our kids because nobody wants to listen to what we have to say or if they do they don't take us seriously um, and that it's very it's a very difficult realization and I think I think when we my wife and I knew that we were gonna have to this realization was gonna be coming true and that we were going to have to say goodbye to JC and we we're gonna have to let her let her go um, was after speaking to a doctor from New York and he was willing to possibly look into getting JC into a clinical trial um, but she would have to be flown out to New York and she would have to be examined to make sure that she was physically able to go through the treatments, physically able to go through the the trial and its and its longevity and the whole thing. And we knew from that point, after that phone call, um, we knew, I think my wife and I, that there was no way. She was not at that point able and physically able to travel there. I I don't I don't think she would have made it. Um, and we at that point made a decision that we were not going to put her through that. Um, and we would just keep her at home and we would hope for the best and we would pray for a miracle and just make sure she was comfortable and happy. 
it's obviously not the way that we wanted to go. We wish we would have been able to find something that would have been able to save her or cure her, um, give her everything in the world that she deserved, but it just, at that point, was not something that was in the cards. And again, if you want to talk about um, burning somebody out, that was that was days, if not weeks and weeks of reaching out, trying to get a hold of somebody else that would help us, somebody else that would give us a chance and give us a an opportunity or a glimmer of hope. And to have that wall come crashing down was something that I think really, really mentally fucked all of us up. That we were we were now bound and determined to a life sentence of knowing that we couldn't save our little girl and that we were going to have to watch her pass away and watch her take her last breath um, and say goodbye to her. And it's not something that I would wish on anybody. And in the subject of burnout, I still can take myself there. Um, I have, about two months ago, I walked away from my career um, so that I could focus on advocating, focus on this podcast, focus on um, building Battlecorn, the Battlecorn Empire, uh, focused on making a difference in this world in our daughter's name. And with that extra time means I've added extra responsibilities, added extra weight to my shoulders because I want to make sure that I make all the use of this that I can and that we continue to give um, JC's name and JC's legacy the respect that it deserves. So I know that I'm still learning all of this. I'm still learning how to take a break. I'm still learning how to shut it off if I need to. I'm still learning how to um, take a step back, uh, dish out responsibilities to other people, give them the opportunity to run with it, and then just consult or report back to me. That's, that's something that I'm still learning. I don't like to relinquish control, even if I know that it's going to put me at the point of burnout. But um, it's something that we all have to learn. So in the respect of pediatric cancer, in respect of that diagnosis coming down for a child and for a family, being burned out is something that is very, very common. And I would say is part of every single person's life that you will meet that has a child or had a child that was uh, diagnosed with pediatric cancer. Um, like I said, some people tend to fade away if their child um, passes away or even if they survive long, long, long years afterward, they, t they tend to fade out of that world when it doesn't become part of their everyday life. And that's fine. It's not right or wrong. It's how you decide to deal with it. That is up to you. But all too many people wear that smile, wear that laughter, um, wear that happiness on the outside and on the inside they're struggling. On the inside, they don't know exactly what to do next. They don't know exactly what route to take or who to talk to. And it can be very, very overwhelming. And it can be, it can be the detriment to a lot of couples. Um, I know my wife and I did an episode on this a while ago, the 80-20 rule. 
uh, 80% of couples will split, whether they're married or dating, whatever the case may be, 80% of couples will split um, either during or after a pediatric cancer diagnosis. Only 20% survive this disease, this diagnosis. And, you know, that's, again, you can go back and listen to that episode if you want to see how we've managed to, you know, move through it. But it's a lot of it is because you are just so stressed out, and unfortunately, you will take it out on each other. Um, and it's you will take it out on on your family, and you take it out on yourself by not taking care of yourself. And it's not, <coughs> excuse me, it's not a um, it's not a violence. It's not an anger thing. It's it's that you're just so overwhelmed and you're drained, and you and you can't. It's like you all your inhibitions are gone. It's like being drunk um, and not being able to do certain things you'd be able to do when you're sober. You you don't think ahead. You don't um, you don't think about the consequences. You don't you don't properly analyze the way things are going to happen. You just you say what you feel at that moment or what's 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 uh, passionate on your mind, whatever. Um, and it it doesn't always go well. So you know I'm going to leave this episode with advice. If you're listening to this podcast and you have a child that is going through this, I'm going to say this to you. Take the time for yourself. Take the time to make sure you're okay. If you have to, get a babysitter for an hour. Go take a bath. Go get a massage. Go take a walk. They will be okay. Just take a minute for yourself. And remember, it's just for you. You matter. As a parent, you matter. You're important. Your child is going through this. They're getting the chemo, the immunotherapies. They're getting the bone marrow transplants, the sticks, the spinal taps. They're getting all of that. And they are badass warriors. But you matter. And if you don't take the time to take care of yourself, you will be of no use to them or anybody else. If you are a parent listening to this podcast and you do not have a child going through this, but you have kids, the same goes for you. You have to take care of yourself or you're no use to anybody else. You have to make sure your health is okay your mental health, your physical health. Take care of you. If you need a break, ask for help. This goes for everybody. I am no person to sit here and stand on a pedestal and tell you asking for help is easy because it's not. I still don't ask for help when I probably need it the most, but I'm working on it. But just know that if you don't, it can be detrimental to you and to your family. So take time for you. And understand that burnout is real. Understand that burnout mentally is different than burnout physically. Burnout emotionally. They're all different things and you have to take care of each one of those aspects. Otherwise, you're not going to be in a position to take care of the ones that need you the most. That's my advice for you today. Thank you guys so much for sticking with me. Again, 
different setting, uh, but I will continue to get these episodes out. I hope to have guests with me soon. Um, I've got a few lined up as well as I'm going to have my wife on with a few other episodes just to speak about the day-to-day life um, of a cancer parent, both during and after uh, cancer diagnosis and after the unfortunate passing of a child, as well as another thing to talk about is holidays and trigger points and things like that that you don't maybe you don't think about um, on a day-to-day basis. You may take for granted smells, sound, sights, um, but I want to talk about those and how they affect us and the certain ones that will affect us every single day and how they've affected us personally and how we use those um, those triggers to try to help other people. So thank you guys so much for sticking with me. I hope to see you here next week when we talked about another episode relating to our daughter's journey through cancer as well as our family's journey through cancer and the unfortunate passing of our daughter, but she left us a hell of a torch to bear. And we're going to continue to carry that torch and continue to push her message and her legacy until change is made. Thanks, guys.